0: Tennessee state makes a groundbreaking move and announces the first ever HBCU ice hockey program. And this is a potential game changer. Oh yeah. It's locked on HBCU play my music. You are locked on HBCU your daily podcast covering HBCU sports, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU podcast. Your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On podcast network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and contributing writer at USA Today's Saints Wire. Let me get my head out of the way so you can see that beautiful banner that is behind me. But I appreciate for making us your first listen of the day every day and remember just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over it just means it's time to follow me on twitter at south exclusive starts with an s and ends with an s i'm missing the point all around today this is not my day but it's okay because today's episode is going to make up for this terrible pointing we just point everywhere. We just point everywhere, and one time we will get above the beautiful graphic. But it starts with an S and it ends with an S. Today's episode starts off with a word from FanDuel. Go visit fanDuel.com slash locked on to make every moment more. Today, they are the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. We open up today's show discussing Tennessee State and their groundbreaking move, and when they announced that they are going to have the first ever HBCU ice hockey program after that i have a word from my guy mason smith friend of the show and sports illustrated writer about isaiah range and his return to alabama state men's basketball program and we cap off the show with a little bit of an opinion and i'll tell you why i tend to look at players who enter the transfer portal then return to their team A little sideways. I look at them a little funny. But we'll start off with the greatness, the good news, the positivity. And that's the fact that Tennessee State has a potential game changer on their hands. As they just announced in 2024, just a year away, they will be launching their ice hockey program, making them the first HBCU to have an ice hockey program. Now, this is important. Now, first off, I want to say I had a video, but we couldn't get it queued up. We're dealing with a lot of technical difficulties that are kind of putting a strain on me right now but it's okay I wasn't able to get the the video but I will have at least a quote for for you in a little bit but you look at the program it's going to start off with the men's and then they're going to transition it to the women's as well now I am an admitted hockey novice I'll admit that straightforward I am a hockey novice but to my knowledge I know that HBCU hockey is unheard of but women's collegiate hockey I don't think is that popular either I don't think that's Commonplace, so this is a rarity on top of a rarity that they're trying to pull off. But we'll focus on the men's program for right now because that's actually a thing, like it's actually here in 2024. This has been about three years in the in the making. They've partnered with them, and I think that's an important part of their foundation. And here's a quote from Glenda Glover, the president of Tennessee State. She says, and I quote: "Bringing ice hockey to Tennessee State is a part of our continued commitment to provide our students with new opportunities." and to broaden new interest in areas where they have traditionally had limited or no access. And that brings me to my first thing that I'm watching, the first aspect that I think is truly a game changer, and that is the demographics of this team. And HBCU having a hockey team, great. But I wonder just how many black athletes will be on this team. Now, I'll be honest, once again, Hockey is a sport that I feel like it's often said, All right, that ain't what we do. We don't we don't play hockey. There's sports where you don't see a lot of black people, and black people will say, we're not given those opportunities. But hockey, I don't even really hear as much interest in hockey. And that's what makes this move extremely fascinating to me, right? I'm not trying to downplay the move. This is game-changing, so just follow me. But... Because I often hear that's just not what we do, I wonder how many, many black athletes are going to be playing hockey at Tennessee State. Because I know there's black people who play hockey. Like it's not like it's just none, it's just nobody at all. And there's probably a bunch who, like Miss Glover said, have had limited or no access to these areas. But it's something I'll be interested in. And I understand that. If it's not a primarily black team, I'm not going to sit here and cry about it. I'm not going to be upset, but I am openly pushing and hoping that it is a primarily black team because I was listening to Joy Taylor a while ago. I had to go find this this clip because it came back to my mind, right? People talk about visibility and representation all the time, but this is what Joy Taylor had to say about it, and she said, basically, visibility is one thing. You have to see things to know that they're possible, and that was her conversation in relation to like re- representation and, and, and black women in media. But I think that this applies in a bunch of different aspects, specifically here. I think that if you have a primarily black team, you're going to have younger black people who are going to say, we can do that. A, gr- um, a, a large amount of black people on the team will make, oh, black people in hockey. Oh, this is something we do. And then the second thing I think is a potential game changer is do other HBCUs follow suit? That'll be something that I'm interested in seeing. And I think that if you have a hockey team close to you, it might be a little bit easier because, yes, you're going to have some of your alum who tap in. Maybe not as much as in some of your other sports because this is still a rarity, right? This is still not something that is extremely popular in the community, in my opinion. But you'll have another community that you can tap into, and that's the hockey community. Nothing about race or anything but just of hockey. There will be some people in Nashville who just want to check out collegiate hockey. And it check out Tennessee State. Right. So you might look at the Carolina Hurricanes, right? They're in They're not they're in Durham and Raleigh, put them together. They're in Raleigh. Central could get right there. I think that having that base, having that hockey community that is already attached to a professional team, I think makes it easier. I think it gives you a little bit stronger of a backing. It gives you a little bit stronger foundation. It's like, it's almost like training wheels. You know, like a, a a bike, if you stand a bike up, a bike is going to fall. Or if you're just riding a bike, you can fall, right? But if you stand up a bike with training wheels on it, there's no falling. You have that extra support. At least in the beginning, I think those training wheels would be really good. And that doesn't mean like if you're in a Houston area, you know, if you're in, in Tallahassee, if you're in, in Delaware, like it doesn't mean that you can't still do this. But I just think having a, a base, A professional team behind you would probably be the best thing in my opinion but overall whether you're talking about changing a stigma creating more opportunities in the hbcu landscape overall i think the tennessee state announcing that their hockey program will start in 2024 so in a year is a game changer on multiple levels and i can't wait to see just how this goes now going forward We'll be discussing Isaiah Range and his decision to come back to Alabama State's men's basketball team with Mason Smith, friend of the show and writer at Sports Illustrated, as we continue with Locked on HBC. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. The MLB is in full effect, right? We're pushing now. Now we're really pushing with the MLB, and they are... Kind of the spotlight in the sports world at the moment, because everything else is done everything else has futures. If you want something more immediate, you have the MLB and Wimbledon started today. So Wimbledon started like five in the morning or something like that. So go ahead and put some money down on the first round some of the matchups that you haven't seen yet right let's see what uh Coco Jones is gonna Coco Jones Coco golf excuse me I'm sorry. Uh, let's see what Coco Golf's going to do. Let's see what these athletes are going to do in Wimbledon this year and who are you putting your money down on because golf just had a pretty good French Open. So let's see if she can continue that momentum. That's just a little bit of news for y'all. I get that to you free of charge. But if I'm wrong, that's cool. You have the no sweat first bet, meaning even if you lose your first bet, you're getting up to $1,000 in free bet. So don't even worry about it. Just go to fanduel.com slash locked on today to make every moment more. Isaiah Range, after a stint in the transfer portal, has decided to return to Alabama State. And I have here with me Mason Smith, Alabama State alum, which I just recently found out, and writer for Sports Illustrated. Is his return a move that you thought was possible, or was it something that was a little bit more surprising for you?
1: I always feel like it was possible that he may return. I started to worry as the days and weeks went on, and I really started to worry when Jordan O'Neal, the team's leading rebounder, also to enter the transfer portal, ultimately ended up at Jackson State. But when I saw that he returned, honestly, it was a, it really shifted my mind about how Alabama State basketball may look next year. Because, of course, with him being the best player last year and the players are bringing in with the incoming recruiting class, whether they're a freshman or the transfer portal, I think Alabama State may look a lot more dangerous than people may think. So if we get to project and predict what's going to happen,
0: how does I – excuse me. How does Alabama State look in 2023 with Isaiah Range as opposed to how they would have looked without him?
1: I think the best thing I want to focus on now is how they looked maybe potentially without him. They were bringing four guys that I wanted to highlight. You had C.J. Hines, who was an NAIA All-American, who scored about 20 points a game, was a Conference Player of the Year. You had an Indian River guard, Micah Octave, stands about 6'5", scored about 15 points a game. Then you had two, two Power 5 transfers, yeah, Deontay Bass from Georgetown and Tadarius Jacobs from Memphis. The reason I bring those names up is because I think their combined efforts have been fantastic, regardless of who was on the team. I feel like those guys would have really tried to elevate the program. But with Isaiah Range back in play, with Isaiah Range, the leading scorer, back in the Alabama State uniform, that changes the dynamic of everybody's role. With those four players, they don't have the pressure of trying to uplift, uplift to a role where the leading scorer is gone now. Everybody has the next man up mentality. With Isaiah Range back, it makes everybody else's jobs easier, and conversely, it makes Isaiah Range's job easier. Considering how, hey, he has more scoring surrounding him, he has more offensive firepower surrounding him. That way, he doesn't feel the pressure, and more importantly, TJ Madlock, who was the newcomer of the year, he doesn't feel the pressure either. So, I think it's going to be a more well-rounded offense, and honestly, leads to a more rounded team, which will ultimately lead to more victories next year for Alabama State. And you mentioned Madlock because.
0: I know that there was going to be a lot of pressure on him had range not came back. Yes. You have these other guys coming in, but you're the coach's son. And you know, that's not always a pressure point, but a lot of times it is. And you are also the newcomer of the year and would have been the leading or excuse me, the returning leading scorer had range left. But now that you have both range and Matlock there, what are the expectations
1: in year two for this duo? I think the expectations are just to increase in wins first and foremost. We saw what T.J. Matlock can do. And the big concern we're forgetting about Isaiah Range injured his ankle at the end of the year it was a really nasty ankle injury. Hopefully he makes a full recovery. But with those two guys as a scoring punch combined with the four guys I named, I think the offense can be way more potent. Because, of course, Jackson State made a lot of moves. I think other teams around the spike made a lot of moves, Texas Southern especially. But I do think with the scoring, the Alabama State has added. That makes them more dangerous. You can't just ignore them. You can't just think that's a you know market in a win column when you play them where the home on the road. I think with range and Madlock leading the charge, combined with the other four scores, Alabama State's teams gonna be way more dangerous. Now, am I predicting them to win the swag or anything like? No, I'm not. I think there are still teams above them that can do that, but I do think they're far from you know the poor performance you saw in Coach Tony Madlock's first year.
0: And you mentioned that poor performance, and I thought it was really bad once range did go out which you mentioned with his ankle injury when you look at the first 20 something games versus the last eight games that he was out what was the difference in play
1: in that in that time i think the difference in play was the fact you lost the the engine that drives that team also there were other talented guys tj T. matlock and other guys and other guys that are escaping my mind right now but the team continued to fight and that's something that you could be proud of. But when you're fighting on the edge of a SWAC tournament appearance where you had to be at least the eighth seed to get in and you lose your leading score, it's honestly kind of deflating. And even if you continue to compete, losing the scoring punch that range brought can sometimes be too much to overcome. Only two people averaged in double figures last year for state, which was range and Madlock. Now you just lost your leading score and leaving pressure up to Malik and everybody else to take a next minute up mentality sometimes that can be a lot for a team to overcome, especially as they're, you know, brand new team, you know, new coach in their first year. And the other teams are really established and have you know a lot of momentum going. So I do think that's something to really consider as far as to why ASU basketball, you know, I won't say sputtered at the end, but just couldn't overcome the injury of Isaiah range. And you mentioned how they're more equipped to deal with that. If
0: one were to go down, you have a multitude of people there. When you're looking at, the amount of weight or, or when you're looking at how important, I'll say it that way, that Isaiah range was last year. Do you think that he'll be able to perform better this year without having so much weight placed upon him? Or is that something that's not really
1: a factor in what you think his game will be? Absolutely. I think he can, I think he's shaping up to be a much better performer in this coming season than last season. I think he was already pretty good. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Isaiah Ranch is a preseason all-swag selection. I think he has those kinds of numbers, especially being a returner. But when you have that scoring punch to support you, it allows you to kind of play more freely. You don't think about the pressures of, oh, I've got to score because I'm one of the main guys on the team. People are allowing me to do the best that I can. You still want to do the best that you can, but there's other scoring behind you. Okay, if I'm not on today, the next guy has my back. Tony has my back. CJ has my back. Bass has my back. Jacobs has my back. And the one thing about Bass and Jacobs, those two power five transfers, they didn't play much of their previous schools. So you really don't know what you're getting in terms of unturned, unknown commodities, but they proved to be the value that they potentially can add. That's two, three, four, five scores that can all you know take over for a game or for a period or for a stretch whereas Zane doesn't need to. And then when it comes down to crunch time, who can you go to? Your leading scorer. The guy that's brought it home for you time and time again last year. So I think Isaiah Range is shaping him for a better overall campaign next season for Alabama State. And I appreciate you for coming on detailing that, giving
0: all the information about your alma mater and their big return in the transfer portal. Isaiah Range returns to the Hornets for his senior season. I appreciate you, Mason. And thank you to Mason Smith for coming on and talking about Isaiah Range and how he has returned and what he to Alabama State including some of the other players who aren't range who are already going to improve this squad but I will focus on range in the next segment as I talk about my opinion on players who enter the transfer portal and then come back to their team I ain't mad at them but I do kind of look at them with a little bit of a side eye and I'll tell you why as we continue with Locked on HBCU. And as we're wrapping up today's episode of Live from HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listener of the day, every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Thank you. Thank you, real. Now, we've heard what Mason Smith had to say about what Isaiah Reign brings back to the table. And I can tell you this. Every person who returns from the transfer portal, everybody's always excited about. Me too. I'm not going to take myself out of that. But I do look at these players a little bit sideways. And I'll tell you why. I just want to know why didn't you leave. Now, most people on the inside will have that information, so I'm not expecting them to look there. And I'm not trying to say I wouldn't welcome someone back if I were a coach. Even if I didn't have that level of conversation, you look at Isaiah Rain, you look at Isaiah Land, you look at Kamari Stevens, you look at these players, when they enter the transfer portal, I'm welcoming them back. Some coaches say, you're gone, you're gone, period. Not I. I'm not that harsh. But from my analyst seat, with a person who doesn't have inside information on every single situation, I am sitting there a tad bit curious of why didn't you leave? Because you entered the transfer portal to go. I don't care what anybody says. This idea of I just want to explore explore my options, you wanted to leave. You wanted to see if an option was enticing enough for you to leave. You wanted to see what was out there. And that's okay. I have I no problem that. with that. I don't criticize that at all. I am pro-portal, <laughs> pro player. I am pro all of it but I'm also being real. You wanted to hit the door for whatever reason. Maybe it was you felt like you couldn't get drafted from an HBCU, so you decided you wanted to enter the transfer portal, and you're like, ah, nah. But I am going to kind of want to know why you decided to return. If I was a player, if I was a coach, until we get into the, the framework of preparing for the season. So if you come back in the offseason and we haven't gone through workouts yet, I might be looking at you a little sideways. And as soon as we get to running sprints, as soon as we get to putting on pads, as soon as we get to playing other people, I am not going to question you a Lick. I'm not going to question your dedication. I'm not going to question how much you're bought in. I'm not going to question if you wanted to be here because you are. I'm not going to question any of those things because in the long run, it doesn't matter. But in the short run, in the immediate, I am a little bit curious of what made you come back. Was it not greener on the other side or did you really decide this is where you needed to be? Because you're getting offers. I can't think of anybody who returned and didn't get offers, right? Like Isaiah Land got FBS offers. Kamari Stevens got FBS offers. I don't know about Isaiah Reigns, but I'm sure that he got some offers, whether that's FCS or FBS. Like these guys did get a recruitment process yet again. Like this is essentially a second recruitment. You did get that. But what made you choose to come back to FAMU? What made you choose to come back to Alabama State? Now, without using any names, any teams, any players, did a wide receiver who was looking at – FBSA University of Timbuktu said, "Now nah, we look at you more so as a third-string guy. Meanwhile, this HBCU still wants you to start. Not going to make me feel good. I'm not going to be proud to hear that's the case. but I'm also not going to sit here and weep and, and be sad. I, I'm not doing that. For me, I'm just a little bit curious. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. I'm going to wonder if you settled to come back or if you're eager to come back. But once we start playing, none of that matters anymore. It doesn't. Only thing that matters is that we are here and we are playing and we are active and we are going to win. We have a common goal. Once you're here, once you put on that, that helmet, once you strap up them shoes, once you once you get on the court, like it doesn't matter. So I don't want it to get confused. I think sometimes when we get in the comment sections, we're like, why does it even matter? It doesn't. It doesn't. But guess what? It doesn't need to matter for me to want to know. No. That's so hard to understand. It doesn't need to matter for me to want to know. That's it. Curiosity. You're curious about unimportant stuff all the time. Maybe this is just mine. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe i am just talking. But anyway, I will look at the positive side of it. I will look at the positive side because this is an unexpected move. I never expected. We talk about lower levels always becoming like G-Codes. We just expect people to leave. No way that I forgot land. Didn't think was coming back. Didn't think Isaiah Reigns was coming back. The players into the transfer portal. I don't only speak about them as if they're no longer part of the team. I speak about them like they're leaving for sure. One comment when I was talking about Stevens returning, he said, "Or she said, I don't know." Basically, did they really leave? Interesting question, person who I can't remember. Technically, no, but I always and I think most people always say returned because it's like you left. It's like you already stepped away and then decided, never mind. The positive side of it is this you are bringing in a player who had interest from other teams, regardless of what the role was or what it could be. You are bringing in a player who almost always affects team positively. It's rare that a player comes back from the transfer point. He's like, I was wishing that dude left. I I was hoping he left. And if it is, we don't talk about it. That person don't get no any kind of promotion for going into the portal. This is a move that always benefits the team that comes in. If your player comes back, trust me, he was good for you. He entered the portal. Any player who enters the portal for real, unless the coach left, is probably good for you. You're probably hurt that you're missing that piece. And if you're not hurt, you're missing that piece, you didn't hear about it on Locked on HBC. So I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day, every day, until the next time that we hear each other family, whether that's Wednesday or next Monday. Take care. Stay blessed. Peace.